0: Mikey disappeared. He was surfing, and all of a sudden we didn't see him anymore. I'm going for a swim.
1: You've done a great job, Matt. I won't forget it. You have to prove the troublemakers wrong. You mean Benton? Yes. I wouldn't worry about him. One of the first things a politician learns is how to handle meddlers like him. I've been killing shot most of my life. You would
0: have been about them. So I'm the expert here. And that's what's gonna take to kill that bust. No, damn it. That's my shark run. has to be. The hell it is. What's the sense in risking both our necks?
1: Shark and I'll buy you a lobster dinner. You're passing the buck. You're the one who wants to back out of it. Bottom line is that you've got to be responsible for the destruction of that shark. And not by next week. Now, local kids avenge friends' death. Kill killer shark. I can see it on the network news already. What if your old man comes looking for his boat? No way. He's too busy to go cruising. Okay, take us down lower.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours, the movie review program where we ask ourselves the ever-important question, is it yours? I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined today by my two good buddies, Mr. Gene Hendricks. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today, Gene?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's, let's just say that I, I was looking forward to this all day, and I think I need this recording right now.
2: <laughs> well, okay, well, I'm glad you need the recording. I hope it wasn't that you needed this movie. Ah, uh, uh, no <laughs> And also with us on the line is Mr. Jason Giaconetti I have the dynamite Sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, And just for, you know, for full information uh, Luke Giaconetti was pretty much scheduled to appear with us as well today But Luke wasn't able to make it because he's slavishly working on getting his uh, Assistant Editor's Month entry for Back to the Bins ready to go <laughs> yeah oh man so, so sorry Luke but Luke Jason and I have talked for some time about doing either a Jaws ripoff or doing a show about a multitude of Jaws ripoffs yeah. and then Gene came and suggested hey for April Fool's Day why don't you do this movie uh and I'm gonna use the Italian Ultimo Squalo uh and yeah, it's quite the uh, April Fool's joke. But <laughs> I decided to take the two and combine them, and I'm doing t- taking Gene's suggestion. But I was going to bring in Luke and Jason, a- and I got half of that done.
3: So, well, it's yeah. funny. I- I'm trying to think. I was was it one of the ones we were we were doing? I don't know if it was Godzilla or if it was when we were talking about um, Frankenstein's the Wolfman. Uh, Luke had said originally his when he heard the name, he said, "Oh, I wonder if it's a show about uh, Jaws knockoff movies." And it's funny because I had the exact same idea. I said, "Is this about Jaws knockoff movies like Piranha and Tentacles and things like that?" And Luke said, "Yeah, the first thing that came to his mind was uh, was this movie." It was just kind of funny. Uh, <laughs>
2: you, could, you could theoretically do an entire podcast just on Jaws ripoff movies.
3: You could oh, yeah. you could have two you could have two different ones. Ready for this? You could you could even do it twice a month: Jaws ripoffs and Mad Max ripoffs. right because those alone and it would keep you busy for years so but uh and that's not even getting into all the django movies that are unofficial sequels to the original django movie that was made and they just kept churning these things out that's what happened over you know so
2: yeah it's well when when they they see something works you know it's a copycat business oh yeah (laughs) so uh gene why don't you yes. tell everybody what your thought process was in suggesting this particular movie for us yeah. all? Well, I'm I'm a member of Amazon Prime, and part
0: of that is through the PlayStation, we watch Amazon video and you a lot of rift tracks are available via Amazon Prime for free. So every now and again we'll just go on, oh, what do they have now? And I just happen to see this checks the last shark I was like, okay, what the heck is this And we started watching it about halfway through that's why I messaged you and I said wow you know this this works for is it jaws two two ways we can rate it is it jaws or we can look at copyright infringement is it jaws <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, now you had never seen this before then No, this was the first time I, I had ever even heard of it. And let me ask you, do you watch these Rift Tracks movies with your wife or your daughter, or does it depend on the movie? Uh, Typically, we we watch
0: as a family. Uh, If I know going in some of the subject matter, I may push it off to, oh, Kira's out doing something. Why don't the two of us watch this? Right. Well, Kira's in bed sleeping. Yeah, well the the I get up so early in the morning usually Kira's in bed sleeping, so am I. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well we won't keep you too late tonight. Uh now I had never seen this movie before. I watched it at your uh, suggestion. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be sorry about. Jason, were you familiar with this one in particular?
3: Oh yeah. Um before there were, before I ever saw the riff tracks of it, because I've, I mean, uh, my brother and I were huge Misty fans. We, you know, we backed the, we backed the reunion, we backed everything, comebacks, we backed all the riff tracks. We have tons and tons of riff tracks we've bought and purchased. And this is one of our favorites. This actually just came out uh, last year. This was when this first riff came out. When it came up, Luke said to me, "We got to buy this," and we actually bought it um, right through Riff Tracks. Uh, and, it's, and again, Amazon Prime, I watch Amazon Prime in the morning a lot of times when I watch uh, different, riff, different uh, riff tracks in the morning while I'm watching, because you can watch a little bit at a time. But I actually own this movie on DVD. I bought it way back in the day when it wasn't available. And you had to buy everything kind of on that gray market that exists at uh, like horror conventions and stuff. Uh, you know, I have this, the last alligator, the last dinosaur, the great alligator, all these, di- all those other mm. kind of movies that came out at the same time. Because this is the kind of movies I like. I mean, I, I mean, I enjoy movies that are. I mean, I like the the big blockbuster movies too, but I tend to like movies that are you know m- most people those kind of B and Z grade movies that most people are like, oh really, you watch that? I'm like, exploitation movies is one of the uh, you know, when you're, um, when you growing up, um, at least when Luke and I were, you know, on the Saturday afternoon movie, they would, you know, they would have their, their martial arts movie and they would sometimes have, you know, they would have their, whatever the other movie was, and it's sci- sci-fi movie or monster movie or whatever. And these kind of movies made the cycle, you know, you caught them because there's, I mean, except for a couple of swear words, there's no, there's no nudity in this movie. There's no blood, there's no acting. There's no <laughs> sharks really. Um, there's nothing to cut out. So, um, but you know, it's the kind of movies that we enjoy. And it, what's really funny is when, when we, um, my daughter Haley, who's six, um, she has started uh, understanding riff tracks more and under. She's because she's. I've, I showed her what Misty was and kind of under, she, understanding that the same people are the same are the people who do this, and she's starting to understand riffing. And understanding that they're they're not making how they're making fun of things and how to like look at things differently, and it's funny because we watched uh, we were watching the last shark and she was when I was watching the riff track of it and she's watching with me, and she's like throwing in comments because she's like, "Daddy, I can see right through that shark," or "Daddy," da-, she goes she goes. Is this is this two movies they put together? Because that shark's not near them, and I'm like, "How <laughs> oh, she's getting good? She's six, and and the sarcasm is already starting to turn up, which is good, because I work in sarcasm like other people work in oils or watercolor, uh, so I'm hoping it, you know that kind of if she learns how to use it well, but. These are the kind of things that I would, I mean, I have it, it's downstairs, I guarantee you it's on the shelf next to the, you know, the, um, the Last Dinosaur and the Great Alligator and all the different movies like that, so.
2: okay, now, I, I but, uh, have to say, I watched this when Gene brought it up and I watched it on YouTube and I even posted the link to mm-hmm. it if anybody wanted to watch it before they got around to listening to this. Uh but I did not get a chance to watch the rift tracks, and I will at some point. But uh, I just didn't have the time, and then I thought, maybe it's best, because maybe if I see their humor, it's going to affect how I'm going to speak of it. Well, so, I, I, I gave it an I, honest I, review, honestly, or an honest chance. Because when I looked it up, I don't remember if it was on... I think it was on IMDb. Okay. Uh, there was a review on there, and, and uh, this doesn't give away anything of what I think. But the review, the review placed it on a par... With Jaws two, and I'm talking in reality, not the Jaws review scale, Mm -hmm. that they said, oh, you know, this is just as good as Jaws two. Now, I I have some some thoughts on that, and we'll get to that later. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Well, I can I can tell you, having watched the Rift tracks first, and then watching uh, this afternoon, we watched the YouTube version, so the quote-unquote serious version, and it did color how we saw the movie, because uh, during certain things, either Michelle or I would say one of the riffs. So (laughs) I I think you did it in the proper
2: way. If there is such a thing as a proper way for (laughs) that. Let me me give the plot to this. Uh, Well, first let me actually give a little background. This movie was made in... 19 or it was released in 1981, uh, and as I said, the title in Italy where it was released is La, Alta, La Le Ultima Squalo, and it was released uh, in America at least as the Great The Last Shark, but it was also released as Great White. And uh, it was directed by Enzo Castellari, and it starred James Franciscus and Vic Morrow, who I didn't know had much of a Italian film pedigree, but maybe they have more stuff than I thought. Uh, the story, or the plot to the story, is, while windsurfing near the seaside community of Port Arbor, a young man is killed by a giant great white shark. Author Peter Benton and professional shark hunter Ron Hammer realize the truth, but ambitious governor William Wells refuses to accept that a shark threatens their community. And I'm going to interrupt the synopsis there and say, how could they say this is anything like yours <laughs> mean (laughs) really fearing that a canceled windsurfing regatta would derail his gubernatorial campaign wells has shark nets installed but the sounds of teenagers splashing in the surf leads the shark to rip through the nets the next day the shark plows through the windsurfers in what is quite a comedic scene even without the riff tracks (laughs) knocking them off their boards But rather than eat the scattered teenagers, the shark targets the governor's aide and eats him in another very interesting special effects moment. The governor can no longer hide the truth. Benton and Hammer head out to sea, planning to feed the shark dynamite and cause it to explode. But the shark traps them in a cave, and the men have to use the dynamite just to escape. Meanwhile, Benton's daughter Jenny and some of her friends head out on a yacht, armed with some steak and a shotgun, intending to shoot the shark. Instead, its powerful bites on the bait knock Jenny into the water. Her friends pull her aboard, but not before the shark bites off one of her legs. Governor Wells' son was one of the friends she went out with, and Benton blames him for her injury. Determined to do something right, Wells sets out in a helicopter, armed with a stake. Yes, he was armed with a (laughs) stake. Apparently (laughs) intending to hoist the shark into the air and suffocate it, But the shark is too powerful, when it bites into the stake dangling from a winch. It shakes the copter and knocks Wells into the sea. The shark then bites him in half and then lunges into the helicopter, dragging it into the sea. Benton and Hammer go back out to blow up the shark. After an argument, Benton agrees to allow Hammer to be, to be the one to go down with the dynamite strapped into a belt around his waist. Thinking the shark might be hiding in the downed helicopter, Hammer investigates it. But the shark sneaks, sneaks up on him and attacks. Benton dives in to save him, but Hammer becomes wrapped in the line and is towed to his death by the shark. Meanwhile, a shark hunter chains some spare ribs to the side of a dock. The man, a TV cameraman, med, bar, cameraman Med Barb bar, Bob Martin, and some spectators go stand on the dock. The shark takes the spare ribs, towing the dock out into the ocean. Suddenly, the shark begins to attack the dock. begins to attacking the dock, good English, knocking the spectators into the water. It eats the shark hunter and a TV cameraman, but the others clamber back onto the dock. Benton arrives and rescues the others, but gets trapped on the dock when the shark arrives to drag it further out to sea. (laughs) Conveniently, Hammer's corpse floats by... Benton feeds it to the shark. Benton realizes he has the detonator in his hand. Leaping into the ocean, he flips the switch, detonating the dynamite and blowing the shark's head off. Back on shore, Benton punches Bob Martin and gets into a car and drives away. Cue the closing
3: music. Uh-huh. Now, anybody who... There's thinks, a great line there. Hang on, there's a great line there. And he, he jumps and he presses the button and goes, Damn you! And he jumps <laughs> in like, and like, man, that, that got me. <laughs>
0: and because you have to jump into the water off of the dock to hit the uh, the detonator because it wouldn't it wouldn't yeah, work yeah. He just sat there on the wood that the everyone he just rescued on, that were on the boat were waving at him as he went pat as he went away because they obviously can't drive the boat to go get him
2: yes <laughs> there's so, so many moments like that don't oh you? yeah oh
3: yeah like, I, I just want to one one thing out real quick, right? The the mayor, that's uh, William Wells there. That's Joshua Sinclair. So, like, I mean, you know, Vic Morrow I've seen before. James Francis I've seen before. Like, you know, these are, I mean, again, if you watch any of these movies, you've seen some of these guys that have repeated themselves, some of the Italian actors who were given American names. Um, this guy's actually a medical doctor who special, in real life, he specializes in tropical diseases and actually went and worked with Mother Teresa and Sister Rosa, Right. And he's also a writer. And but he he did. The thing was, a lot of the things he did where were he didn't make any money doing. So he would write uh, screenplays and he would act in movies to make money to support his habit of going to countries and actually saving people. So as much as he might not be, you know, the greatest governor and making the best decisions here <laughs> in real life, he's actually probably the best guy in the movies. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's yeah. Interesting. yeah, I, I was totally
2: unfamiliar with him.
3: Yeah, well, I was too, man, because I'd never seen him before, and he's he's the third lead. Like, I mean, you know, he's the third guy. If you look at like the like the listing in the movie, and I'm like, I've never seen this guy before, and I've seen like a bunch of movies that he could have been in, but he wasn't in those other movies. It just happened to be that's what he did. The director uh, Enzo uh, um He's a name again. This movie may not be his best work uh, for people to remember him, but he actually did the original *Inglorious Bastards* in 1978, which is actually really good. Um, and he's best known for um, uh, Kioma which is um, uh, Franco, no, which is uh, oh, the guy who played Django, the original Franco Nero or whatever. Yes, Franco Nero, uh, and that's actually yeah, and that's actually a well-known kind of movie. But then he actually did 1990, *The Bronx Warriors*. Warriors of the Wasteland, Escape from the Bronx. Those are the three movies he made after this. So those Mad Max ripoffs, there's three of them. <laughs> and he is the man responsible for Sinbad of the Seven Seas, 1989. I don't know if either one of you have ever seen that, have you? No. Sinbad no. of the Seven Seas, Lou Ferrigno as Sinbad. Oh, yes. <laughs> boy.
2: It's got to be you serious bestial work right? there.
3: But You thought his Hercules work was good. You haven't lived till you've seen Sinbad. Well, interestingly,
2: so, <laughs> before the last Shark, he also uh, directed The Shark Hunter in 1979,
3: yes. <laughs> which is like a which movie. Which is also from- another,
2: another Franco Nero movie.
3: Yes. Well, Franco Nero was big in those. He made a lot of the. I mean, he he made a bunch of movies. I mean, he was an Italian actor, but he made a lot of movies over there, and he was a bankable star um, because you know he made a lot of the westerns and stuff like that, and all those Django. Every movie that was a Western, they just stuck Django on the front of. But uh, Franco Nero made a ton of movies over there, um, and he was a really bankable star. And uh, this director is a bankable director. These movies, I mean, we kind of laugh at them now, but those movies made a lot of money. I mean, you know, they didn't cost much to make, and they turned profits, and they sold them worldwide. And even this movie, I mean, this made $18 million before Universal shut them down, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's 1982 money, you know what I'm saying? So... (laughs) I mean that was that was in like a month,
2: I think. Well, I think movies like this tend to make the most of the money up front.
3: Oh
0: yeah,
2: because once word of mouth gets around, then people stop going to invest their money. At first, you know, people are willing to give it a chance. Oh, look at look at the, look at the ad! It's got a giant shark on it. Let's go see
3: it. Well, which is funny because in Brazil, Jaws, which was called. Uh... Tubarreo? work I don't. I don't know. It's not in English, right? This film was called L O Ultimo Tubarino, and it actually did insane business because people had been watching Jaws on TV and had been cut down and cut down, and they cut it, I guess, to fit in like an hour and a half time slot or something like that. So, so imagine Jaws just trimmed of like everything. And it was on Brazilian TV, and it was a huge hit when it was on Brazilian TV. So when this came out, people went and saw it, and it was a big thing. And in Japan, it was actually called uh, Jaws Returns, uh, and actually used all the cover art from Jaws. In um, where was it? In Spain, it actually was released as Jaws Three. Really? Which, yeah. I mean, so I mean, the thing is, the movie. This is what I'm saying. They, for whatever they spent on this movie, the dollar ninety-eight they spent, um, you know, in stock footage. The, the whole thing is they knew they had a movie they could kind of produce and get it out. And again, like like Paul said, you got to get this movie out quick and you got to make your money quickly with it because you're not going to get a lot of repeat business. But in other countries, especially – I mean outside of America, and I think this is uh, – Luke actually touched on this I think when he was talking about ultra uh, one of the Ultraman things. In America, we always worry about how real something looks and, oh, that looks fake and whatever. In other countries, especially like in Japan and stuff like that, it's more – even if it doesn't look great – what's there it's the story you're telling Mm -hmm. and again if you're not getting a lot of i mean you know jaws was i mean jaws was an insane hit in america but uh you know and and it became a hit worldwide but people didn't have more of it and they were like well we want more and if you want more and you don't have all the other things you know the other movies that we get here uh, like naturally, like movies like Piranha and Grizzly and like uh, Tentacles, and I mean, although Tentacles was Italian also, and things like that, th- those movies did well because people enjoyed that stuff. It's kind of that if you feel comfortable with that kind of fare, great. Because in reality, a lot of the dramas and um, like the the more talky pictures that occurred in the se- the you know seventies and eighties that might have been great cinema in America don't always work well overseas, you know, mm-hmm. so.
2: But yeah, well, They certainly didn't waste any superfluous no. <laughs> moments in this movie trying to create great drama or trying to give anybody great backstories or trying to show the motivations of any characters. There was none of that in this movie. <laughs>
3: the, the number of mustaches or must, mustached, mustachioed men was astounding. And I think that's something, again, knowing... Knowing um, the background and kind of rift tracks and, and and before that obviously Misty, um, when you're trying to sell something as America. Um, and they usually try to sell it as Florida because that's what happens. Like I'm thinking of devil fish and things like that. Mm. They try to sell Italy as Florida because they can shoot by the water or whatever. It's because it's, it's not California. There's no palm trees or anything like that. So you're clearly not in California. But you can have a dock and think of that. And they try to sell it off as being in Florida. And this is another movie where they sell it off as being in Florida. But what gives it away, even though all of the Italian actors have fake names, Right, they all have like, uh, what's his name? Um, Like Giancarlo Pritt, who plays Bob Martin. He's listed as Timothy Brent in this movie, right? I mean, he's 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 in Lady Hawk, you know, a couple years later. But uh, he's, you know, they, they gave him fake names, and then they have them speak English, right? So they get so it's not like the movie was shot in Italian and dubbed over in English. They had them speaking English, and if they had to overdub their voice with somebody else, they would do that. But it's like almost like they're ready to turn to the camera going, isn't this amazing? They have the baseball match in the America, you know, I kind of thing." <laughs> they kind of are trying to say that It, but what gives it away is the insane number of mustaches on everybody. And you're thinking that's kind of weird, but well, you got to remember, you know,
2: 1981 is the era of the porn stash.
3: Yeah, cool. no, I understand. <laughs> you, haven't right. se- you haven't
2: seen pictures of, of me from 1981. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, not, I but walked a- right off the set.
3: But I'm saying, but if you look at like Italian movies at that time, everyone's got a mustache, right? Kind of thing. So James Francisca stands out. He's the only man I think in the entire movie without a mustache, and who's not a kid. Mm-hmm. All the adult males all have mustaches. A couple of the women did, but I'm saying it was, it was,
2: it's it's funny though because currently, must, um, just a mustache alone without a beard or anything is just not currently in fashion. 1981, very much in fashion. Oh, okay, very. Yeah, you, you know, even in, even here, most of most of the adult men had mustaches
3: back then. I, I'm, yeah. Oh, and and I I, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just, I that's was funny because you see things that kind of stand out as being like the the actual the actual Americans in the movie, you know, kind of thing. Like Vic Morrow is Vic Morrow, and that's fine. But you know, what I'm saying, but it's like you know, then the other guys who aren't American, they gave them American names, like try to look at as American as possible. Okay, you know, it's like okay, you know. <laughs> Give him, um,
2: mustache. give him give him that blonde hair.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, All I know is the the, the, the where they're doing the scene where they're filming for get ready for like they're they're shooting the production stuff for the he's gonna shoot his like either uh like you know be the governor and they have the three hats and they have the people turning with hats he goes okay shoot it shoot it turn turn and I'm like oh god is that what they think America's like like i was just wondering it's kind of like I don't know if either of you have ever seen The Room. Not Room, the one that won the Academy Award. The Room.
0: No, I've heard of it, but no, I have okay. not seen it.
3: <laughs> um, it's atrocious. The Tommy Wiseau movie. Um, the Room is probably, like, if, to put it this way, if aliens made a movie about humans, devoid of having any idea of what actually anything was, they would make this movie. Because they have the wrong emotions in places and things don't make sense. Sometimes I feel when they're trying to make it America... They kind of think, well, this is what America is. And you're like, wow, that's a that's like a blatant stereotype. And it's like, oh, but yes, because when we make movies about Italy or about France or you kind of go with those broad generalizations. And I just thought it was funny because they have these like those stupid white hats. They're like, who the hell? That's not how things are kind of running. And like it's 1980 something. It's not 1970 (laughs) or whatever. You know, you're like, all right. They're a few years behind. It's kind of like when you see uh, like a movie that let's say was filmed. Because This happened all the time with direct-to-video stuff in the '90s. You see something was filmed in like 1991, 92, and then got shelved. And then like when the VHS, like when Blockbuster and all that stuff really blew up, and all of a sudden all these movies came out, and they put a movie out, and it would have like I'm thinking like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, g- Generations, and it's like starring Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, who are both the stars in a movie. And had uh, Matthew McConaughey just up for the Academy Award. Renee Zellweger was just in, uh, I think it was uh, Jerry Maguire. And they put the movie out. And I'm like, why'd these two film it? And you look at it, you're like, oh, it was filmed like nine years ago. That's why they put it out. And you see that like fashion isn't the right thing or they're a little, everything's a little off. Like you're like, huh, it kind of seems kind of old for a movie that's now. That's what you get sometimes with the overseas movies. I think that's why they went to the post-apocalyptic stuff, because there you can just, as long as everyone's half-naked, you know, the women are all wearing almost nothing, there's a lot of dirt on people, someone's driving a car way too fast, there's a motorcycle jump, you got the movie. So
2: the Dystopia is much easier. Anyway.
3: Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when I, I put this thing on and I started watching it, and the first thing I heard was this seven, like early, late 70s, early 80s, you know, bubbly pop music theme. Come up and and all I could think right off the bat was John Williams, why have you forsaken us? Then, <laughs> you know, you're taking one of the most iconic scores in the world, and then you're watching another movie that's ripping it off. And boy, do they not do they not do anything with it? I mean, they well they, they don't even
3: give the they don't give them the the shark doesn't even have music the first time it comes up. Like, there's just nothing. It's just dead silence. And I'm like, it just seems really weird. Yeah, you're right, but I'm saying, but it seems weird. They don't have any music for the shark the first time. And mm-hmm. you're like, did they forget? Right. You know, it's kind of like someone was in sound and going, what? It's okay. No one will notice that. Let's just keep going, you know? <laughs>
0: kind of but then later on, when the shark, or I don't know if it's oh. the shark that gets music or it's the generic tension music, it's still bubbly. You know, it's still yes. an upbeat tension thing. Yes. It's, just, it's so odd. Of course, that's yes. when the shark is, you know, building a wall to keep them in the cave underwater. Which I, <laughs> th- This shark knows masonry and it knows how to tie knots, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And it has an air cannon attached to it. Because when it, well, it goes up under... Deep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, under the... the, 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 the uh, the AIDS boat. It's just, well, yes. oh, you know, this, this isn't a shark that's going to knock you off. He's going to blow you 30 feet into the
3: air and then eat you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, it's, he's like a megalodon. He's calm. He's hitting you. He, he, he generates more force per square inch than is possible with the dimensions of the shark. So, you know, but if, if it was a Megalodon, you know, kind of thing, the prehistoric kind of shark, well, eh, maybe you could, but it's like, yeah, but Megalodon, as bad as this is, I guarantee you Megalodon and its sequels are worse than this. So, uh, <laughs> that's this, this, another this shark movie for another think,
2: day. <laughs> this movie made me think of an episode of the Flintstones of all things. Uh, when, when Fred gets a part as a, uh, as like a dinosaur monster Return to the tar pits, I think it's called something along those lines. <laughs> Okay. And uh, and the director of the movie, you know, says, "Okay, you know, now's the time when uh, the 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 people attack him with the clubs. Do we have those foam rubber clubs? The foam rubber clubs. Do you know how much they cost? All right, we'll use real ones." You know? <laughs> <laughs> like like they made no effort to to try and put in you know put together some real special effects
3: in this movie. Well, they they did have a mechanical shark. There are scenes with the mechanical shark, which you can see clearly way too high out of the water. Yes. And what happened was, and it, goes oh, out of water oh, and it stays there. Yeah, it just, oh, no, it's, Hi, it's here I am. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that, it it's like I am hovering. The problem is, is that the shark they really had like they they didn't. they use a lot of stock footage of sharks that are clearly in aquariums or the wrong kind of shark. That's always my favorite. It's a great white, but you show me a picture of a tiger shark, which looks nothing like great white <laughs> shark. But uh, what happened was, the <laughs> yeah. um much like much like Bruce you know uh the famed shark from uh, you know the actual jaws series uh this shark they, they it, it broke down because they actually had plans of making a sequel to this movie um the i'm not kidding this. yeah the, uh, the last shark part two this time we mean it you know, <laughs> kind of, um not quite so last shark yeah <laughs> we forgot about this guy um <laughs> I, I guess it could be worse. The shark could follow you from New York to the Bahamas. Wait, wait. They would never make a movie like that. Yeah, that would just and, be stupid. Uh, that would be dumb. And uh, but I'm saying, but the shark itself, they actually it it, it got broken and they couldn't fix it because they actually were making a second movie, so they scrapped the second movie. Otherwise, we would have had a sequel to this movie. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking is yeah. that sounds awesome. So. <laughs> yes,
2: it does. Yeah then we would, oh. to, we would have to do we'd have to start a new podcast is it Le Ultimo Squano <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let, let's talk about the actors in this thing a little bit or the, and even the characters they played uh, first, first guy obviously the big name guy they had was James Franciscus now my James Franciscus knowledge comes from basically two things uh, the first is the one obviously that most of us would know is Beneath the Planet of the Apes Right, uh, and secondly, mm-hmm. I remember him from the TV series Long Street. Those were both in the very early seventies. This is nineteen eighty-one. At this point, I don't think he really actually had much of a career. I could be wrong about yeah. that, but but I, I don't think no, he had I mean, much going from at this point. Uh, I think he he burned brightly for a very short time, and that was it. And and when I looked him up, he he apparently died young. Um. I don't know what, what yeah, he the died, cause of death yeah. was, but he died at like yeah, fifty seven sh- years old, I think. Yeah, yeah f- back in nineteen ninety
3: one, yeah. Oh wow. Well he was uh, he was uh, I mean because remember he I mean you know obviously but he's been on the apes nineteen seventy. Um, but he was on um, he played Mr. Novak on the T V show John Novak and uh, my parents actually have been watching these. He was on he was detect- he was the, one of the detectives on Naked City. Um, that show ran from 58 to 63. It was a crime, uh, mm-hmm. crime series show. Um, he was one of the people on there. He wasn't the main guy. The main guys are the two older detectives, but he was one of the detectives on that show. So he did a bunch of TV work. And, um, you know, the thing with that is, is that, uh, he didn't make a ton of movies. I mean, if you, if you look at, I mean, he made movies, but he was also in a movie called killer fish which is a, another one I own on Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> just, it's it's, you're just it's the about blood it is, for punishment. No, well, no, Killer Fish. That's that's what he called. That's um um oh the Six Million Dollar Man. Um, Lee Majors. Lee Majors and Karen Black, and they are they're diamond smugglers, and they put piranha <laughs> in the water to protect their diamonds. And they have a way. It, oh man, it's just—it sounds like crap, but it's really good. Um, if you like this kind of movies, if you don't like those kind of movies, you'd hate it. So, um, but he made like movies like *Cat of Nine Tales*. Um, he was in the TV. Uh, you know, he again a lot of TV stuff in his past. But what I know him from is *The Valley of Guanji*, uh, the, the Ray Harryhausen movie. He's he's the main. He's the star of that movie. He's the main cowboy guy who's lassoing the dinosaur and the allosaurus and stuff. And I know that's one of the, the later Harryhausen, I mean, that's, you know, you're getting, um, you know, to the point where you're getting into like uh, golden voyage of Sinbad and Eye of the tiger and stuff like that. But Valley of Gwangi, uh, you know, I mean, again, it's a Harryhausen movie. So, you know, the, the effects are the, what you know, are the Harryhausen effects, but he was, he was kind of a, a, a big enough name star to be in those level movies, but he was never a major player. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, again, I, and even the Planet of the Apes movie. Let's face it. By the time you know, Planet of the Apes was such an amazing, you know, smash hit when it first came out that they kind of knew that as long as you had somebody who has a name that you kind of can work with, and you know, you had a good story. And that's one thing with the Planet of the Apes movies. Um, in fact, they were just on last weekend. They showed all of them, and uh, you know, my wife had never seen any of them. And I made her. Well, this is years ago before we had any kids. I said, we got to sit down and watch this. And one New Year's Eve, we started with the DVD set and we watched all of them in order, uh, all the originals. And she mm-hmm. was like, those are amazing. And I was like, that's what you needed. But you look back at those movies, there's not a lot of big name stars. I Remember, mean, Ricardo Montalban is not a huge star, but he was in A Face You Know. You know, as long as you had faces you knew, you kind of could make the movies happen. So, mm. yeah. But. It's be be what it is, but it's, uh, he, uh, as uh, he's the, it's funny. His name in this is, uh, it's, um, Peter Benton. Peter Benton.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. So, and he's, because an we author. want to be too. Yes. And it would I mean, be really funny. I, I thought at first when they were going, cause he's, he writes books about sharks. And I thought first it'd be really funny if they'd put one of the books called the last shark, they like the book he wrote, you know, kind of <laughs> go past it or something like that, because it's kind of like in, uh, uh you know, when, when they say the name of the movie in the movie, you're like, oh, you know, like, kind of that thing. That'd be really funny, but I don't think they were kind of going for... But it was kind of obvious that he's, you know...
0: (laughs) Yeah, I see. I I was going through this, and mentally... I wasn't necessarily paying attention to the character names. Mentally, I was, okay, not Brody, not Quint, not Larry, (laughs) not Larry Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Oh and not Michael who's a female and this one gets her leg bit off.
2: <laughs> now it's, it's I also find it interesting though just somehow the local author who lives in the town is such an authority that all of a sudden, you know, he just kind of imposes his own will. I mean, I know the governor's a moron, but <laughs> but just the same, it's like like oh, you know, okay, we're going to send out this uh <laughs> this this basically it's Frank Costanza pretending to be Quint. Uh, which is Vic Morrow in this movie, but we're going to send him out with the local author.
3: What? Yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, they show the they they, they do show the picture when the, when when his wife comes home, uh, Gloria comes home, and she turns on the coffee pot that has no water or coffee in it, yeah. um, and then makes her comment about, well, I hope it was a stroke of genius." As they're show, they're panning over there. You see him. Uh, you see uh, uh, Peter and Ron. Ron hammer. It's a good porn name. Um, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're there and they've, they know they they're in a scene there with a, with a shark hanging up and like, there's kind of, it's kind of, you know, and there's, there's teeth. And so I guess what they're implying is that he's an authority on not just being the author about the shark books. Um, but he must be the, like the local, like he must be one of the authorities on shark attacks and like knowledge about this stuff. And obviously Vic Morrow, uh, you know, it's Ron hammer and He lives, well, there. It's not like he's, uh, you know, whatever he might be. I think he's supposed to be a fisherman, but he doesn't do much anything except drink beer. I, I think,
2: as as written, the Ron Hammer role is kind of like Quint and yes. Cooper. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He gets to give so, the exposition about sharks. You know. And, yeah. And he, you know, he I, he I think he he almost does his, you know, this was no shark attack scene, or no no boating accident scene rather. Hmm. So it, I, did.
3: What they have a chainsaw in the water? He said, he goes, <laughs> like i don't know man like, this shark and when you see what this shark does i wouldn't be surprised if he had a chainsaw he's down there just lubing it up you know got the chain nice and good he's like i'll oh, get those guys damn you know parasailing is okay is there and, i mean we're parasailing and i've never been parasailing i'm just throwing this out there and maybe one of the listeners will have great feedback about this like one um can you ever look cool doing it because i don't think so uh, and two is, there's got to be a better way to get a little bit of yourself wet. When you lean back like that, you're like, "Oh, my, my back's wet." Okay, good. I just don't get it. So, and does you, it really take parasailing
2: or winds uh, the no. windsurfing?
3: Winds, windsurfing, windsurfing. No. No, I've never done parasailing or windsurfing, but I'm saying, and it, does it really take a year to plan a regatta for that? Is there such a
2: thing as a regatta? Because that's well, what I was, I was watching the same director like this is this is you know of course every every seaside town has a windsurfing regatta. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just don't see it. Well, can, having grown up at a in a shore town,
0: I can tell you no. Okay, <laughs> the, you the, the, the most you'd see windsurfing is maybe at most 5 or 6 guys when you're out on the beach just out there doing their thing, but that's it. You,
2: this had, the movie they had opened with that guy who was out there for over an hour. They said or something. Yeah, like.
0: and then oh, you wow. had them complaining later about all these, you know, the, the competition coming in from the West Coast or up north by Philadelphia. Is it, okay, first of
3: all, uh, Philadelphia
2: <laughs> seaside town.
3: Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, no, so, you, you could totally see that from Philly. They're like, oh, what? What? Forget about it. It's good. No, that's the wrong thing. It's like, <laughs> <these> guys, <laughs> I, I want to see the I want to see the guys from the South Bronx coming in for that. You know, oh, yeah. practicing on the Hudson, you know, kind of like, ah, we got this. Forget about it. You know, <laughs> like, uh, that's yes. that's the Long Island crew. Don't mess with them. You know, <laughs> hey, hey,
2: hey, hey, leave Long Island.
3: After this. <laughs> hey, but if you're going to, a, 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 you know, a windsurf reg- uh, regatta, I would expect I want to do. I, mean, I mean, to me, I was imagining it like they're coming in. It'd be like like in the Warriors, you know, when they have the meeting. You know, mm-hmm. can you dig it? You know, so. <laughs>
2: now, you, Jason, you, you said that they, they delivered their lines in English in this? Yes. All yeah. of them?
3: Uh, well, all of the, I'm um, looking, of the it, main it, it, characters. It, yeah. I mean, I'm
2: watching it on YouTube, so it's not the highest quality copy in the world. But it looked to me like, you know, outside of Vic Morrow and James Francis, because it looked to me like a lot of the lines were dubbed.
3: Well, Joshua Sinclair is speaking English, that's for sure. Um, Glo- uh, the one who plays Gloria, uh, they've changed her. They called her Mickey uh, uh, Piganetti. It's mm-hmm. it's Michaela. She's she's Italian. Giancarlo Prate is Italian. So the, the, the secondary people probably were speaking um, either they were trying to do phonetic English when possible because they wanted this to be shot in English um, and they then they overdubbed them. What would happen often with Spaghetti, the Spaghetti Westerns, like um, – you know not 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 the high end ones but like the the real you know quick ones they would churn out if they had someone who could speak english that person would speak english and then the other people would speak their language italian and they would just dub it all into one language so it's possible that they were trying to do either some phonetic english with some of them probably more likely was the people who couldn't speak a lick of english they just had them speak italian and then they over, and they dubbed over the top. But a lot of the—I guarantee you—a lot of the dubbing was. They were probably, except for Moro and Franciscus, I bet you a lot of them were dubbed over anyway. Um, you know, just to just to kind of get it all working together, especially if they had scenes where people are speaking Italian and people are speaking English.
2: Mm-hmm. So, see, so, you now I got—I got to put the word "acting" in quotations here. Yeah. But because of <laughs> the way the lines were delivered, whether it was dubbed or whether it was phonetically yeah. done or whatever. Uh, it made it very difficult to kind of judge the acting, because <laughs> because the it didn't seem to line up. And it's funny because I you know like and and you are again you you've made a distinction between the high end spaghetti westerns and the low end. Yeah. Uh, in the high end spaghetti westerns, when somebody's voice is dubbed, it never seems to bother me. I can still see what's you know I, I can I can judge the acting or at least I feel I can. And uh, this this I just felt like you know everything was done so amateurishly. Then I'm just assuming the acting was amateurish as well, <laughs> but I can't really tell because yeah. the line well, was delivered in such a, 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 a staccato version in, in many cases that mm-hmm. it's just hard to really judge are they emoting well or not. I don't know.
3: Yeah, hey, I, at some points the lines sound like and if you ever if you have like um a, like 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 a Kindle or something and you have like an audio like a book but not an audio book like you know you turn on like the like it'll it'll do the speech to text. You know, like, yeah. Hell, this was it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Like that's how some of them spoke because again, you're trying to dub this in, and you can't. You know, they don't have a lot of money for getting like actual decent actors. So, a lot of times in these spaghetti westerns, you'd have two or three people total doing all the voices of everybody. So they would try to change their voice up or whatever, but it didn't work because they did. They were still. Probably not. They, the English was certainly not their native language, so they're still speaking it as a second language-ish, you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> it is. It is why um, uh, again we uh, we're speaking about high end. Things like the the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that's why the good, the bad, and the ugly. And again, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys love it, but it's one of it's one of my favorite westerns of all time. Oh, um, it's, it's Sergio. It, Le- yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, but Sergio Leone. I mean, he, he got to show off what he could do as a director. When you watch the Clint Eastwood, like, I mean, any of the Clint Eastwood ones, they, they knew what they had. And, but again, you know, they would make it like, clearly they're not American. So they would have them kind of speak with an accent or stuff like that. When they knew they really had to like change things up, but they knew what they were doing. When you get to the low end stuff, when you get to the real low ends, like they'll have them sometimes at Walmart, $5 and it's like 20 Westerns. And, you know, a couple of them might be halfway decent, but some of you are like, "Wow, really? Like that guy? You know, the revolver holds six bullets. He's fired fourteen times. Like he just like <laughs> and, and he's just clicking away, and and there's no smoke or anything, but people are dying. So, um, you know, sometimes you get there and you're like, "Is that the same voice? Is that the same guy? Like, did he voice all? It's like watching something on like uh, Telemundo when they're you know have an American movie. Like perfect example is like when Predators on." Well, Predator, there's only one female voice, so they only have to get one female, right? But there's a whole lot of other people talking in that movie. So the guy who dubs Arnold probably also dubbed Sonny Landon and also dubbed Carl Weathers and also dubbed, you know, Bill Duke, you know, kind of thing. He had to do the same, but he's trying to make it sound different. But they don't have 20 different guys to do it. You know, they got four guys. Let's do this thing, you know. So, but the acting, though, too, I think some of the acting in it, the teenagers especially have – Um they all look like they're completely stoned like not stoned like whoa we're stoned. They look like they're completely (laughs) just like like Stepford Stefford wife. Like there's nothing. The 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 kid's no emotion at all. No. Yeah, yeah, right. Like they like the 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 mayor or the governor's son, the mayor's son, whatever he is, right? Um that guy who looks like Will Ames, uh, he has no emotion. Just standing there. You're like, Are you even alive? Like he looks like one of those like you know, I would say a real doll, but real dolls have more emotion than that. So, um, yeah,
0: especially when when his father slaps him across yes. the face, he just looks, "Oh, you slapped me! Yeah. I must oh. touch my cheek now."
3: Yeah. Well, the thing is, they're out on the boat. They're they're chasing now. Now, their friend has been killed, and uh, um, uh, Bill Glover, and you, you know, the, the guy who's wearing. Again, how embarrassing is that? The 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 mom is standing there for the dead kid, and they're going over the Bill Gliver or whatever his name was, the guy who who's out fishing with dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy's getting all the attention, and there's this mom standing there grieving her son, who clearly is dead, right? And they're like, "Oh, don't worry, we'll find that guy. Like, we'll find him. You're not find him. If the shark comes up, maybe there's a piece hanging out of his mouth. There ain't no <laughs> finding him, right?" but it's just like uh, and and I think what they're again they're, they're trying to play off the scene obviously in jaws when um well uh, oh, I forgot his name the little boy who the gets eaten boy. By yeah. Her. yeah the right, where she's standing there and I mean but that scene has emotion and like you feel for this woman who just lost her child and she's like mad and she's like at the verge of having a breakdown and this and here the mother's like oh no my son he is the dead <laughs> no.
2: Now I had heard, I think it was from Rob Kelly, that the woman who played the Kidner boy's mom, yeah. for for years afterwards, people would ask her, they'd beat her, and they'd ask her to slap him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because she was so famous for having done that. And eventually yeah. she she started to say, no, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: The litigation is too much. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the
2: I mean, there's so much in this that either it parallels Jaws, it blatantly copies Jaws, or it creates a jaws-like moment, as mm-hmm. you describe it, uh, that I, I could totally see the lawsuit that ensued, which yeah. ended up resulting in them pulling this. Yeah, now, I don't know. I don't I, know how. I guess it's in the public domain. The fact that it's on YouTube. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't know how it got to the public domain once it was pulled. I don't know the legalities of that.
3: I don't. That I'm not sure of. I know. I know it must be in the public domain um, because for riff tracks to have access to it um, they then they have movies that they've bought the rights to to you know like like sharknado and things like that um, but and, and they have movies that they have the rights to put out through different distributors or whatever or the live versions available but mm-hmm. they they really often you know i mean except for certain movies where they go and purposely go get them they they do hit a lot of movies in the public domain night of the living dead uh, you know uh, carnival of souls those kind of things um, this is one of the ones that either they, they they might have gone through the legal channels properly to get things because it's part of Shout Factory, when, who puts out the DVDs for them, um, and uh, not sure, excuse me that's from that's from Missionary 3000. They have to worry about the legality of things, and they don't have the rights necessarily to show certain things. But this movie's floating around. Um, to me, it's a lot like the the um, the Star Wars Christmas episode. Like yeah, it's he, out there on YouTube. I mean, you can go see it anytime you want to go see it on YouTube. It's there and no one's ever pulled it down. You know what I'm saying? Like Lucasfilm hasn't gone and ripped it down every single time. So I kind of wonder if it's one of those things you're like, is it really worth all the time and effort to do this? I mean, it's not like it's, it's not like they had someone put like Shin Godzilla up and Toho immediately gets that ripped down. Right. You know, I think they're kind of like, all right, no one's no one made any money on this thing after we, we gave them the lawsuit. I guess we could be done, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's.
2: I think if they make the effort to pull it, they're almost calling more attention to it, and mm-hmm. they, they start to make it, uh, you know, something that people w- want to see out of curiosity because it starts getting mm-hmm. more press.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes the best way to make something go away is just ignore it, you and know. Especially when it's thing.
2: something of the quality of this particular movie.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't mean to give away my review yet, but uh, you know, and and I, I just like some of the writing is just you know. I don't know, incomprehensible comes to mind as a word. Uh, <laughs> the, the scene when, when the shark, when they are having their windsurfing regatta, and the shark comes through the net, and he knocks down windsurfer after windsurfer after windsurfer, but doesn't actually eat any of them. No. But then does the air pump throw the governor's aid 30 feet into the air, let him drop <laughs> in the water, and then eat him?
3: It could have been worse. Is that? He, he, what, how do you write that scene? He could he could have shot him in the air and then jumped up and caught him. That like, looked like a scene you know. out of a Monty
2: Python skit.
3: <laughs> 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 Behind the rabbit, it is the rabbit. So <laughs> I'm thinking of yeah. uh, what is it? Something
2: how to not be seen.
3: Yes, yeah. yeah. From mm-hmm. now, have something completely different. You know, they blow up everything. <laughs> yes yeah
2: he's, he's chosen an obvious piece of cover
3: boom <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> excuse me well i think but, part uh, of what they were trying to do there though i mean they they, they talked about like i mean they're, they're showing all the stock footage of sharks and they show the stock pictures of sharks and things like that and one of the pictures isn't it the shark jumping out of the water so i think they were trying to show that it was powerful enough to knock the boat and I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny cuz like I felt like they should have just um, you know, it's knocking over all the wind sur- all the windsurfers. It you, you I mean, you know, you could just it just it seems like, you know, someone has like, – like like you put a GoPro on top of a person and have them just swim and have people go, ah, and just jump out of the way like an SNL sketch." You know, <laughs> kind of thing like going right through. Um, but again, the, they the movie was made I, mean, I can't imagine this was a quote unquote long shoot. Uh, they had to like get it shot, get it done. I mean because you know every day that Vic Morrow's on set and every day that teenager Francis is on set, you gotta pay them. you know so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they filmed all their scenes in like two or three days mm-hmm. and then filled in the other stuff where they're not in it, you know The, the teenagers just hanging out at the dock watching salvage you know the the salvage boats because there's so much going on in this town in America. So
2: <sighs> <laughs> This was an adventure. Any anything else about the plot that you guys specifically thought of, want to call to mind, think it's worth discussing?
3: Uh, not, I
0: mean, not really. I mean it, it's right. basically it's it's a mashup of the plots of Jaws and Jaws 2
2: mm-hmm. And yet nowhere near as well done, well written, no. none of the depth, no no pun intended,
0: uh,
2: you know, n- none of that. Um, as far as the production values, I mean, Jason, you already hit upon the stock footage and <laughs> how they, how they, they did all that. There was also some really, really poor use of slow motion in this. Yeah. I mean, oh, yes. You know, just, just very badly done. And, and I, I don't know what effect they thought, if they, if they thought that would be more suspenseful by doing that, but no. No.
3: He'll pad the running time, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it added it up to eighty-seven minutes. Yeah, and and that, that includes that includes the opening shots and them driving away at the end. Although them getting in, him getting in the car and punching the guy, getting in the car and driving at the end, very classic nineteen fifty ending, um, because if you if you remember. Uh, they were movies, like I'm thinking 20 million miles to earth. They kill the emir. They get down there. He's like, all right. And then they get in the car and they drive away. There's a giant dead Martian or Venusian creature laying on the street. He's killed hundreds of people. No, let's, we're done. We got to get <laughs> down. Let's
1: go.
3: You know, I mean, it's very, very 1950s or 60s. Like, okay, the movie is over. The end. It comes the end and they're driving away. But so.
2: it, you know that that kind of describes the whole movie in a microcosm. Yes. Because again, like I said, they didn't really seem to care about creating any drama or any backstory. It's just you know let's let's try and sen- you know create a sensationalistic type movie about the shark, take advantage of people's desire to see these type of movies, mm-hmm. and move on with our lives.
3: Yeah, that also could have been Jane Francisco's getting a car and leaving for the, for good. Just all right, I'm done filming. Really gentlemen. Thank you. Left. Thank you. It's really his car, and he got and drove away. In, in his so, bright red diving suit. That would be that would be the best. I would let It would be so funny if he drove and then and if you, they kept filming because they did film uh, Gloria driving up, parking, and then walking in the house. Again, pad the film out, right? But it's got to be at least a good 30, 40 seconds of filming. It's like, did you really just film her driving down the street, parking the car, getting out, carrying the groceries, walking out? You could have just like had her kind of pulling in. Like, nope. Let's film all of it. <laughs> you know, film it all, cut it out, in post. You know, kind of thing. So or not, <laughs> or not. <Yeah>. No, <laughs> we don't want it to go under
2: eighty-seven minutes. So <laughs> in
3: see, at eighty-seven minutes with no cuts except for the couple curse words they'd have to bleep out, you could add in your commercials, and you'd and maybe you cut a little bit here and there. Like the, the credits would, like whatever, they would roll over the, the the bumper to the next thing. But that's a two-hour time slot. Yeah. Right, you can get that in a two-hour time slot. It was made for distribution, and remember, films. I mean, nowadays it seems like any movie that's supposed to be anything is at least two hours. Because God forbid, because you know, those of us who you know, like my wife has to pee like six times during a you know, half-hour TV show. Like <laughs> we're, you know, we're in a movie, and she's like, "Oh my God!" I'm like, just don't drink anything. Don't drink anything at all. Um, you know, hey Ben eighty-seven minutes to get it into the theater. You have an, uh, it run. I mean, these things didn't run. These weren't running in like the big palaces. These were running in the friggin' grindhouse stuff. This right. is the kind of crap that ran on Forty Second Street next to the you know, the pornos and the exploit the, explo- the black exploitation and the exploitation and Nazi PlayStation, all those stuff. You know, this was also a different, this is a
2: different era. This was a time when when if you made you know, if you weren't making an epic, you could do an hour and a half movie or an hour and twenty minutes even. hmm So so the, you know, it was a different time. Nowadays, you know, I think an eighty-seven minute running time is an automatic, you know, clue to you at this point that you're probably not looking at anything of any, you know, of any significance.
3: Put uh, it this way: like, an eighty-minute running time is pretty much going to guarantee, you, like the new Jetsons and WWE movie that just came out on on DVD, like the straight to the, that, I think runs almost eighty minutes, right? So, like, are the Scooby-Doo cartoons when they put the like the movies out? Like the Scooby-Doo, whatever, in a kind of those are almost. I think they're almost always like 70, 70 minutes, seventy-five minutes. That's what they are. They're they're kids' movies, but they're cartoons, you know, kind of thing. If a movie today runs eighty-seven minutes, then you know one of two things: it's part one of two, or uh, you know, kind of thing, or it's I mean, direct-to-video things run. You get movies that run, and they got to fit in a uh, in a you know two and a half and a, a three-hour time slot. So, 90 minutes in a three hour time slot seems about right for the amount of commercials you see on any channel nowadays. So, mm. you know, I mean, think about it Sharknado. I mean, and again, Sharknado, kind of, this is crazy. I mean, I like Sharknado's. I've, I've, I've seen them all. I actually have seen two of them in the movie theaters for Rift Tracks. I own all of them, right? Um, those movies, again, as, as a joke, you know, the, was, the first one was made, the director thought it was a very serious movie and he made it seriously, and the, the rest have kind of been, you know, crazier and crazier and crazier but they're designed to show on TV and they're designed to show in the eight o'clock to 11 o'clock slot on sci-fi. And they're designed to make the millions and millions of dollars they make because they do. And people go crazy trying to advertise during them, which they do. And people beg to be in the movies now, which they do. And that's what they're made for. These movies were made to, to, you know, they were made to be made shipped internationally since there's not, and there's, since there's no nudity, blood and, and, and then there's no no issue there. You could play this movie in almost any market. Like, I mean, again, I understand like you'd have to dub it into whatever language or put subtitles on it. But a movie like uh, the Last Shark, you know, you know, whatever, it could play in those other markets because it's not so like it's it's America, quote unquote, but it's so generic enough. That you know, it's not like it's there's there's no political satire to cut out. There's no um, you know things that might be offensive to other countries in there. Uh, I mean, the the lack of acting might be offensive to uh, you know a person's taste, but there's nothing of offensive in there. Where people are like oh, I can't let you know uh, you know I can't let the, you know kids see this or that you can't show this in this country. And uh, I mean, Dad and I touched on this a little bit. You know, the, the things with the video nasties in England and like the censorship in different parts of the world movies that seem innocuous enough like from the 50s but maybe had a, a you know a little more statement to it they would get cut up on only one of their places there's no statement here i mean well there is like we are not canceling the regatta that's the statement we're making you know right. kind of thing so <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, but I, but I could see this playing again. I, I mean, I'm, I'm far too young to remember too much about uh, Times Square being anything but the Disney, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, clarified thing. But I mean, I remember as, as being young and going to the city and avoiding, you know. F- Times Square and Bryant Park and all those things like that now are tourist places because they were just dangerous. And when you look back at all that kind of like the, the, like these, these term, you know, those, the old a express would come through and that's where you would go, you know, and you would go down there and people would come to the city. like, I want to go see what that's like. And you're like, you're going to get killed. Like if you're not careful down there, because you were in with all the drug, the drug addicts and whatever. And like you go to a movie in this little crap theater and there's some homeless guy using the seat next to you as his hotel room. And he's doing everything he would do in a hotel room in that seat, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So, and, and, you know, I mean, Paul, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the way things were. And these movies, they would just buy these things up cheap and they would just put them out and put them out. And 80 was 81 drive, drive drive-ins like, like drive-in movies still existed. You know, this is the perfect kind of fair. To pile onto a drive-in, mean, it's not like the 50s and 60s drive-ins, but they were still, I mean, I remember going to a drive-in in the 80s, 82, 83, I think I was like five or six years old, Luke was a little, like we went to one, it was in like upstate New York, but, and they were harder to find, but these kind of things played in those all the time. And I don't know about, I know down South drive-ins were bigger, like in the Midwest and down South, I know drive-ins that still exist, you know, right. I mean, now they're kind of more camp and kitchen, whatever, but that was a big thing. You know, yeah. get everyone piled in the car and go see it.
2: So, Yeah, that's... I mean, from just looking at the Wikipedia entry on this thing, mm-hmm. it said it made $18 million in the United States, assuming you can accept that as accurate. Now, first of all, you got to take into account it's 1981, $18 million was, was a different box office consideration than it would be today. Right, sure. Uh, secondly, this movie was probably made on a budget, and there is no budget listed here, but it was probably made on a budget of $2 million. So just I in the United no States alone.
3: Like yeah. <laughs> no budget. Yeah, <laughs> Who's got film? <laughs> but
2: it, it, it's it, it probably, you know, just, just counting yeah. the United States release alone, it was probably a huge success. Sure. Then you, sure. you factor in whatever it made in Italy and whatever it made in their foreign markets mm-hmm. that they sent it out to. So this this was a, a runaway success as far as financially goes. Well, you know, but the thing the question, is. I mean, what Go ahead.
3: It, the, 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 the the to distribute because Universal they sued the you know the company but this actually had an Australian distributor attached to it and uh, so they were trying to like so what they did was they knew full well they couldn't come straight to America with this movie so they went through so this must have shown because this was made in eighty one but I had a release date here of an American release date of three five nineteen Oh. so geez. I you know so I'm betting this showed other places and then was able to get backdoor it in because once it kind of shows other places and they're making money cuz universal surely wasn't going overseas to stop people from making movies there's just too much they'd waste too much money trying to shut something down they couldn't control and then i think that because because there was an australian distributor who was named in the lawsuit so i'm i'm betting it was cuz this was not an australian produced movie there's no one with a la- everyone's last name ends in a vowel so you know kind of thing so you know we know what that means and
2: uh <laughs> <laughs>
3: Just saying,
2: you know. Uh, So, well, so we accept that financially this movie was a huge success. Sure, sure. But the question that comes to us now (laughs) Gene, yeah, Jason, Mm -hmm. is it yours? And let me give the Jaws scale for anybody listening who does not have that. Jaws is an absolute classic. Great movie, almost flawless. And, again, a classic. Jaws 2, according to the Jaws scale, not necessarily the real movie, is a solid movie. Very worth repeated viewings, not too many flaws, just doesn't quite reach that level of classic. Jaws 3, watchable but not a heck of a lot more. Jaws 4, a bomb. So, uh, well, actually, Gene, I'm going to go to you first. This was your suggestion, so... You you can you can apologize for your <laughs> review first. Uh,
0: I almost want to suggest you add a fifth level to the scale and call it the last shark. Uh, yeah, I mean this is. It may have been a financial success, but it is not a good movie. <laughs> not not at all. So it's got to be a Jaws four.
2: Okay, Jason, how about you?
3: Okay, so. Uh, again, using the scale, not the actual movies, because I, I mean, as a movie, I think The Last Shark is clearly better than Jaws 4, and I think it's clearly better than Jaws 3, and I think I've watched it more times than I've ever seen Jaws 2, but I'd, ha- I'd have to go with Jaws 3. To me, this is an enjoyable evening of watching, but there's nothing here that was like, oh my God. Um, but to me, I can put this on and be okay with things like that, and. Um, I surely would not say to somebody this is the first, you know, shark movie you should go see Hmm. um, or even the second or third or fourth or fifth. um, But I surely would I would surely tell somebody that this is if you want to watch. Think about this. If you watch Jaws and Jaws 2. Right. And you have a choice. and You watch Jaws 3 or watch this. And let's let's put aside like the productions or whatever. This movie fits more in line with Jaws 1 and 2 than Jaws 3 does. You know, so like I could see how people, especially you know, with like you know, like oh yeah, let's go see this. This look like it could be good. So to me, it's a Jaws three on our sc- on the scale. I'm surprised people don't mind- have this laminated. I'm saying people should have that scale laminated and at their house. Oh like, yeah. Or make <laughs> make wallet size ones. There it is, money making idea, cha ching, right? We could sell them on Amazon. <laughs> people can use the link. Um, you you know, right in your pocket, like huh? What is that? Let me pull my chart out. My little is it Jaws chart right from here? Little bite out of the side, look like Cookie Monster, eat it, or you know.
2: <laughs> know. Now, now, just uh, for what it's worth, uh, Jaws 3, when it was released, was in 3D, which was a selling point <laughs> at that time, yeah. because 3D was not really a widespread thing at that point. There you was know, Friday, I, the 13th part 3 that was in yes. 3D, the, there was Coming At You. <laughs> <which was interesting. laughs> but there weren't a lot of 3D movies out at that point. And I know I saw Jaws 3 in the movies and regretted it afterwards. <laughs> but uh, when we reviewed the Jaws movies, uh, I, ca- I said both Jaws 3 and Jaws 4 were Jaws 4 by the scale. Yes. And, but, my, but my logic was that Jaws 4 was a superior watch to Jaws 3 because it had some funny moments in it. Just so ridiculous that you had to laugh. Uh, Jaws 3 didn't have that Jaws 3 was just a bad bad movie so this one to me falls more in line with Jaws 4 The Revenge uh, in that it's so bad it's funny at times and there is some things about it that I found entertaining not from a I'm engrossed in the movie point of view, but from a, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that point of view. (laughs) Uh, But I do have to say, I I rate it as a Jaws 4, and I'm a little surprised again to have read a review where they likened it to Jaws 2 in quality. Uh, You know, to each their own, everybody's free to have their own opinion, but I just don't see it on that one.
3: It, it, Equality-wise, it's not as good as Jaws. I mean, Jaws 2 has its, some of its ridiculous parts to it. Uh, the pyro shark scene reminds me of that, like, where the shark hits the boat and it blows up. Um, mm. That's actually uh, Luke and I came up uh, funny. We were like, I said, I said well, we're watching Jaws 2, Luke's like, oh man, pyro shark scene. I go, pyro sharks. That's a tag team for wrestling right there. <laughs> <And> because... <laughs> It, that's about as much sense as it makes because, like, there are scenes in there you're like, oh, okay, God, okay. Which is, but again, I think what, when you watch Jaws 2, there's not that it's a bad, I mean, it, like, there's that silly, there's some of that stuff in there, but it's, a, it's still a good movie and it makes sense. The problem becomes that, um, you know, when <laughs> I mean, you consider how much money was spent on Jaws 3 and Jaws 4, and how much money was spent on this movie, like, there's just, you know, like, if if w- could they have made a better movie if they had had Jaws three's budget? I I'm a, I would hope yes. I mean maybe more mustaches, but I mean but who knows? You know so, I, I I would say that I would hope they would make a better film. Maybe maybe they would have had better effects or better whatever. But you know, and Jaws yeah. four. I mean you know I mean besides besides the fact it followed them from New York all the way down to the Bahamas, which is insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> And besides the fact it jumps out of the water and roars, which is insane, and the boat gets snapped in half, but yet they they are able to sail it back to shore is insane. My biggest nitpick there is that I mean, remember Michael Caine's in that movie, and he's able to crash his plane into the water and mm-hmm. get out of the water absolutely dry, which is impressive. Um, but like, well, he's was, British, you know, it's, it comes well, with the territory. <laughs> but he's he's not even is forget the fact his clothes are dry, his hair isn't even wet. <laughs> like they were messed up. you know so I mean, he looks just like he was in dirty rotten scoundrels which is a really good movie but that's another story i mean what i'm saying is like to me i look at it like you know this movie didn't wasn't made in a whole lot of money and sometimes when i watch movies and i'm like wow they had like a dollar 87 to make this whole thing happen and they put together again something that is certainly not uh you know this is not classic cinema we're not like well we gotta you know hang on whatever uh you know it is what it is. I mean, again, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm, I I've. I could not imagine someone thinking this and Jaws 2 are at the exact same level. Um. Maybe Maybe if they're thinking like they both came after Jaws, you know, I guess <laughs> that would be on the same, you know.
0: Technically, maybe. they would be
2: correct, yes. yes. Yeah, you could go with that. Uh, yeah, this is just, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what, it, it was fun to watch in its own way, so I can't, you know. And it's fun to get to talk to you guys about it. So I I want to thank you both for coming on to it. And I do want to, I got a piece of email today, so I just wanted to read that in. Oh, wow. Okay. It's fun to get email. Uh, It's uh, from uh, Michael Decker, who I had not heard from before, but I'm happy to hear from him now. Welcome aboard, Mike. Paul, I've just discovered your Is It Yours podcast with the Rio Bravo episode. Great movie and really fine discussion about it. Is it yours? You better believe it, Pilgrim. Mm -hmm. John Wayne is one of my all-time favorite actors, and Rio Bravo is near the top of my list of favorite westerns. I look forward to hearing more classic western reviews on future episodes. I hope you'll get to both the original Magnificent Seven and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly soon. And yes, they are definitely both Jaws. Those would certainly be on my list of movies to cover. I don't have them planned out yet, but uh, they could be coming your way. By the way, I like your rating scale, and I don't find it confusing at all. That's good to hear. Meanwhile, I've been catching up on your past shows and will continue to do so whilst awaiting the next one. What's it going to be? I'd love to hear you and Michael Bailey on Superman the movie. Uh, Scott Gardner has pretty much put his stamp on the fact that if I do Superman the movie without him, he's going to kill me. Uh, And Close Encounters of the Third Kind with Andrew Leyland would be another good one. I hadn't discussed that one, so I'll throw that out to Andy. If he listens to this and he wants to do Close Encounters, I'd be happy to do it with him. If you ever get a hankering to discuss either The Legend of the Lone Ranger or Doc Savage, the Man of Bronze, which are decidedly not Jaws, with someone who absolutely loves them both, give me a call, Mike Decker. Thanks for chiming in, Mike. I appreciate it. I appreciate the thoughts. Uh, I've also gotten a few uh, iTunes reviews, which is kind of cool, and for just anybody who's interested, the email address is jawspodcast at gmail.com. And the iTunes reviews go on iTunes and review me. Hopefully, you like what you're hearing, and you know if you review enough people review me, a lot, lot more people will get to hear me, and that makes me happy. Uh, that said, Gene and Jason want you each take a turn and tell everybody where they can find you.
0: All right. Well, at the moment, uh, the only place you can find my Uh, A podcast I do is uh, at Anime Freaks, and that is also on the Two True Freaks Network, uh, where Dr. Bill Robinson and I are currently going through both Record of Lotus War and Attack on Titan, because Paul's kids threatened us to do Attack on Titan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have two other shows, the Quantum Cast and the Hammer Podcast, which are on indefinite hiatus due to
2: life. Eventually, you'll hear the episode that Gene and I did about yours, too. Eventually, yes. I mean, it is, One day.
0: Most of the way edited is just finding the time is tough. I know uh, the feeling. Don't, <laughs> don't question
2: um, that for a second.
0: But if you want to... Get something, uh, my opinion on something weekly every Thursday at TheHammerStrikes.com. I do a blog post on various geeky things. uh, Anything from just posting the movie link to uh, the aforementioned Legend of the Lone Ranger to my thoughts on uh, taking your family on vacation to Orlando, which I have coming up myself. Uh, But that's basically it for for right now and i uh, i'm becoming the second chris tyler and i'm basically guesting on every possible show
2: apparently <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: okay so if you uh aren't tired of hearing my voice uh you can find me as i'm one of the co-hosts of the vault of starling monster horror tales of terror along with my brother luke uh jack and eddie along with the uh aforementioned chris tyler the hair metal hero and uh, one of the uh, original freaks, uh, Chris Honeywell, uh, my podcast, which uh, my dad is still technically—he still wants to be considered a guest. I, I tell dad we're co-hosts. He's like, no, 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 it's your podcast. I'm a guest. That's yeah. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B Movie Podcast. He, he he's like, I goes I go, Dad, this is our podcast. He goes, no, but aren't I a guest? I'm like, no, Dad, it's. It's just it's okay, um, and then the very the the newest podcast uh, at at the time of recording would be get back to the wrestling, the uh, much rumored, much badly hooed people for years saying, uh, well we got to have you know you guys talk about wrestling, Dem Jackanetty boys and uh, Chris Tyler we are talking about wrestling, um, and that one just dropped episode zero just dropped that was not really an episode so much as it was us kind of talking between vault stuff and it turned into an episode because. I got angry at what was happening and we, and it got recorded and things happened. And Luke said some very harsh words to Shawn Michaels, but anyway, um, but yeah, if you're interested in that stuff, um, if you, um, are interested in purchasing this movie um i don't know why uh you would be but if you were like let's say you were interested in purchasing the Rift tracks you go to RiftTracks.com for that uh if you're interested in purchasing this movie i don't even know if it's even available to buy on amazon i was just thinking about that um like i said i bought mine bootlegged i don't know if this movie is even anywhere like that so, um, but if you're interested in buying anything that you've heard of on this show or any of the shows, make sure you go to the two true freaks website, uh, click on the Amazon link and, uh, follow that through there. And that gives us a little bit of a kickback. doesn't cost you anything, but it helps keep the lights on here so we can keep making these podcasts for you guys. So there I, I got, I got the shill part and we're good. Uh, <laughs> so that's about it for me. <laughs>
2: All right. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. This was fun, and I look thank forward for to us. future movies that we cover together. Oh
0: yeah! So it'll, it'll, whatever we do, I'm sure it'll be a good time. Oh yeah!
2: Everybody, everybody listening, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Everybody, out of
1: the water, under the boat. Everyone, out of the water, under the boat. I can do as I'm raising the out of the Take water, under the boat. There's a light here! Get on shore! Everyone out of the water! Out of the water! Hurry up, boys! Get out! Get out! Get out! Leave your and get on the boat! Get out of the water now! There's a light! Get on the boat! Come on, get on the boat here! Wow, that's it! Fantastic!